You see the title of the message there on the screen. Have you ever noticed how the, and this is back before we had cell phones, when you just had the phone on the wall or on the counter. My mother has a phone on the wall that, was on, that has been on the wall since I was 12 years old and is still the most reliable phone in the house. That was the only phone we had growing up before cell phones, and so when the phone would ring, it would be the same ring that it always rang. But if it was bad news, it just sounded different. Now, we don't have the same ring now, but you know that when bad news comes and you've got one of those special rings on your phone, you know who it is. Like, I know when my mama calls and I know what her ring is, but that bad news ring just has that ominous sound to it. And if you've had bad news on your cell phone and it had a specific ring with it, you probably don't have that ring anymore. You did away with it. You can feel it. Once you hear that ring, you'll never forget it. One day, the phone will ring at your house and it'll be a late night ring. The caller will have news of a tragedy. How will you respond? You'll find yourself in the midst of a crisis. Your doctor has told you that you need a, a battery of tests, and so you have the test, you wait for the results, uh, and then the doctor calls you in for a consultation, and he comes in and he takes you by the hand and he says, it's cancer and it's bad. Suddenly you find yourself in the midst of a crisis. How, you re how will you respond? The relationship is not what it used to be. Pressures at home have mounted, tension is high. The situation is, at home is bad, but not so bad that it can't be remedied. And then one day, your spouse walks in the door and says, I've had enough, I want out, I want a divorce. Suddenly, you find yourself in the middle of a crisis. How will you respond? It could happen in a thousand different ways. And it will happen one day, unexpectedly, you will find yourself in the middle of a crisis. When that happens, time is going to stand still. The foundations of your life will appear to crumble. You will be confused and frightened, hurt and angry. You will pray that it's all a dream. And when you find out that it's not, you may wish to stop living. Such is the nature of a crisis. How will you respond how will you cope? How will you survive? Well, tonight, I want to give you some practical insights on responding to a crisis situation. And we're going to draw these insights from an, an, uh, an incident in the life of a man named Ahaz. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to the seventh chapter of the book of Isaiah. And we're just going to read the first two verses, and we're going to read some other verses to help understand exactly how he responded, what was going on. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, The Arameans have camped in Ephraim, this is the house of David, is Ahaz. 
He's the king. When the report came to him, the Bible says, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Now, he's the king of Judah. His kingdom is at this moment under siege from two other kingdoms who have joined forces against him. 120,000, if you look at the details of what happened, 120,000 of the inhabitants of his kingdom were killed in one day. 200,000 more were taken captive. How's he going to respond? Well, essentially, you see in in that second verse that Ahaz was overwhelmed by the crisis of the moment. His kingdom was literally crumbling around him. All his hopes and dreams just evaporated before his eyes. His heart shook like the trees of the forest shake with the wind. He panicked. He was terrified. Now, here's the first point I want to make, and that is that panic is a normal human response to a crisis situation. Regardless of how long a person has been a Christian, no matter how many people they've comforted in crisis situation, when a crisis comes to your house, whatever it is, your normal human response is to panic. And you can't blame Ahaz for that. Panic is built into our psyche. It just happens. Yet what we learn from the rest of Ahaz's decisions is how not to respond to a crisis. He should have responded in certain ways, but he did not. And so we're going to try to see by looking at how he should have responded and didn't, how we ought to respond in a crisis situation. Number one, here's number one. That's the basic premise. Panic is a normal human response. But the first way that Ahaz should have responded is Ahaz should have listened to the counsel of the Lord. That's number one. Ahaz should have listened to the counsel of the Lord. In verses 3 through 7, Isaiah, the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son Shear Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take care and be calm, have no fear, and do not be faint-hearted. That was Ahaz's word from the Lord. Now, in the middle of this crisis, Ahaz should have been looking For Isaiah, Isaiah was God's prophet. Through Isaiah, he would discover his word from the Lord regarding this situation. But Ahaz was not interested in a word from God. He was not known to listen to God in the first place. And apparently, he had no intentions of listening now. He probably had the attitude that some people have today. He didn't need some preacher to come and tell him how to handle his problems. But God knew his crisis. God was aware of his crisis. And God sent Isaiah to him with the counsel of the Lord. And that counsel of the Lord was very simple. Take care and be calm. Have no fear and do not be faint-hearted. In other words... Don't be afraid. God has everything under control. Now, in your crisis situation, in your circumstances, what is your word from God? If you're in a crisis right now, if you have a crisis brewing around you, or if suddenly you just stepped right into the middle, into the middle of one and your heart is, is in a panic, what is your word from the Lord? In a crisis being calm 
and, 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 and not being faint-hearted is easier said than done. In the crisis of the moment, in the crush of the moment, God's word to Ahaz was essentially what Moses' word was to the children of Israel when they stood by the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, that's a crisis. Pharaoh's army was coming. There was no escape. And Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That was sort of God's word to Ahaz. But Ahaz was saying, I can't just stand here. Somebody has to do something. That's also a normal response. We feel like we have to act. We have to solve the problem. So God is reaching out to Ahaz here. He was speaking to Ahaz but instead of listening to God, as we look at this situation further and we study some more of the scripture, we see that Ahaz was formulating his own plan. Why? Because he valued his own counsel, his own wisdom, his own animal instincts above the counsel of the Lord. I, now, I admit that a crisis is time for action, but the first action we ought to take in a crisis is to turn to the Lord. February the 23rd, 1986. I've got that day recorded in one of my sermon notebooks because I won't ever forget that day. I walked in to discover a new face sitting in the sanctuary of Agricola Baptist Church. It was his first visit. I think I've told you this story before. He's a man in his late 40s. I, I knew him. I had visited in his home on one occasion a few weeks before that and and he made it plain to me and to others that he didn't need the Lord. That was, those were the words out of his mouth. He had no problems that he couldn't handle. In fact, the day that a staff member and I visited his home, he met us at the door in a, in a beer in hand and in a very curt manner, uh, didn't even let us in. He said, uh, I don't need what you have to offer. And then two weeks later, there he is sitting in our sanctuary. I, I was surprised, to say the least, to see him there. I was in the middle of my sermon that Sunday morning when this man who's his first visit to the church, he raises his hand in the middle of my sermon and says, that's me you're talking about, preacher. And at the end of the sermon, he came down the aisle weeping and gave his life to Christ. What made the change in his life? A crisis. He finally encountered a problem he couldn't handle. His daughter was diagnosed with cancer, and this time it was out of his hands and humbled and broken by that crisis. He showed up at church, and from that Sunday, he didn't miss any of the rest of the services of that church. He was faithful to the Lord in his crisis. He was ready to listen to the Lord, but not Ahaz. Ahaz was in a crisis but here's how he responded. And this comes from 2 Kings, by the way, chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and deliver me from the, king, from the hand of the king of Aram and from the hand of the king of Israel, who are rising up against me. He turned to a heathen king and said, I need a little help. Would you come and help me? And so Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house, and he sent them as a present to the king of Assyria. Now, the king of Assyria 
Sennacherib was one of the most wicked kings who ever walked the face of the earth. And Ahaz, I guess, said, he's a bad dude, man, and he can help me with my problems. He realized he needed help. And in his mind, he needed concrete help. He needed tangible help. That's what we need, isn't it, when we get in the middle of a crisis. We need somebody to do something. He needed an army. He needed weapons. He didn't need prayer. He didn't need God. He didn't need a preacher. So he sought help from this other heathen king. He thought, I'll make an alliance. I'll, I'll pledge my support to this other kingdom. I'll buy some help from the king of Assyria. How did it work out? Well, you have to read several different spots in the scripture sometimes to put the whole story together. From 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 20 and 21, the writer tells us in 2 Chronicles, So Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. Although Ahaz took a portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the palace of the king and of the princes and gave it, to the king of Assyria, it did not help him. His own plan didn't work. It didn't help. God was saying, look, be still and know that I'm God. I've got it under control. Don't be afraid. Don't be faint-hearted. Be calm. Just let me work. But in his crisis, he needed something tangible. He needed something concrete. He needed to act. And so he took what was God's and gave it to an inferior deliverer. If in a time of crisis, panic grips your heart, instead of taking matters into your own hands, listen to the counsel of the Lord. That's what Ahaz should have done, but he didn't do. Next, Ahaz should have looked for the lesson that God wanted him to learn in his crisis. We go, we go back to verse 1 again of chapter 7 of Isaiah. It came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that reasoned the king of Aram and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. If he had only consulted the Lord, he would have discovered that the hand of the Lord was already withholding the invading armies. God never intended for the crisis to crush Ahaz or for his kingdom to be destroyed. God had a reason for the crisis. Now that causes us to take a step back sometimes when we look at our own circumstances and our own problems and our own difficulties. God had a reason for the crisis. How do we know that? Well, we know that because when you put the Bible story together, the pieces from Isaiah and 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, when you put it together, it fits together like the pieces of a puzzle. From 2 Chronicles chapter 28, Verse 1, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He didn't do right in the sight of the Lord as David his father had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He also made molten images for the Baals. Moreover, he burned incense in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and burned abominations of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel. He sacrificed and burned incense 
on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Wherefore, or for that reason, or because of that, the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Aram, and they defeated him and carried away from him a great number of captives and brought them to Damascus. And he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who inflicted him with heavy casualties. It was his evil living. It was his not listening to God in the first place that brought him into the middle of this crisis. There was a reason for the crisis in the life of Ahaz. Could there be a reason for the crisis that you face? Is God trying to get your attention? Now, the purpose of the crisis in Ahaz's life was not to destroy him or, or his kingdom, but to bring him to a position of trust in God. Actually, what's happening here, God in his mercy is giving Ahaz another chance to trust him. Now, you might be in a crisis as I speak. For me to say that God has a reason for every crisis to come into our lives would not only be a simplistic answer to a complicated issue, it would be a wrong answer. In other words, God doesn't have a reason for every crisis. Some crises that enter our lives, they just come as part of life like the tornado that rips through or the hurricane that comes or the sickness, the illness that comes into our lives. Crises are part of everyday life, as a matter of fact. However, God does work out His purposes in crisis situations. When you find yourself in the midst of a crisis, ask God to teach you to depend on Him in the midst of it. Ask Him what he would teach you through it. God wanted Ahaz to learn to put his confidence in him and in him alone. Did he learn that? Did he humble himself? Did he turn to God? Did he do that? Did he respond like God wanted him to respond? No, he didn't. How do we know that? Because the Bible says so. Second Chronicles chapter 28, verse 22. Now in the time of his distress, this same king Ahaz became yet more unfaithful to the Lord. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, and said, Because the gods of the kings of Aram helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they became the downfall of him and all Israel. People who go through a crisis always come through a crisis changed. They either grow closer to God after having come through that crisis or they come through that crisis further away from God. Ahaz came out of that crisis more distant from God than when he started. So you find yourself in the middle of a crisis and panic grips your heart. Instead of taking matters into your own hands, listen to the counsel of the Lord. Be looking for a word from God. God what are you saying to me in this crisis? Above all, be still and know that God is there with you. And instead of shaking your fist in the face of God, asking why, in humble submission, seek to learn the lesson that
that God wants you to learn. So we have two things, very simple. Listen and learn. Listen and learn. I'm in a crisis. I need to listen to God, and I need to learn what he wants me to learn. God, what are you teaching me in this moment? What are you saying to me in this moment? And third, and this is the most important one of all, Ahaz should have leaned on God. You look at chapter 7, verse 9, and in the last part of that verse, the Lord says something to him very interesting. He says, if you will not believe, you surely shall not last. The very key to the continuing stability of Ahaz's kingdom was for him to put his complete confidence in God. Now, the last part of verse 9 is a play on words in Hebrew. The last two words of each stanza, each stanza sound the same. I'm going to show them to you. If you will not believe, believe is the last word, you will not last. Last is the last word of that phrase. Believe and last. So in, in essence, the Lord was saying, here's the Hebrew. If you will not ta'aminu, you will not te'aminu. Almost the same thing, but they mean something different. If you will not ta'aminu, you will not te'aminu. If you will not believe, you will not last. To get the picture in English, we might translate it. If you will not be sure, you cannot be secure. If you will not be confident, you will not be constant. If you will not lean, you will not last. And it's that last phrase that gives us the true concept, the true Hebrew concept of faith. When, when he says to, he calls on Ahaz to believe, literally, he's asking Ahaz to lean on the Lord. That goes all the way back to the time of Abraham. In the time of Abraham, I believe it's in chapter 15, where the Bible says of Abraham that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. The Hebrew word for believe there is a word that simply means Abraham leaned on God and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. It was absolute and utter dependence on God. The promises that God made to Abraham were incredible, impossible promises. How would they ever come to pass? They wouldn't come to pass by anything that Abraham did. In fact, when they tried to make them come to pass, when Sarah decided it was time to put feet to their prayers and invite Hagar into their marriage, it was a disaster. They couldn't make that happen. They had to depend completely on the Lord. Lean on the Lord. So the key to stability... In any crisis is faith in God. Faith is leaning on the Lord. Bill Withers wrote the song, Lean on me, lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on far. It won't be long till you're going to need somebody to lean on. The fact is, all of us are headed for a crisis. There's one around the corner of our life. What are we going to do in the middle of that crisis? Well, did Ahaz lean on the Lord? Well, 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 24 and 25 tells the story. Moreover, when Ahaz gathered together the utensils of the house of God, he cut the utensils of the house of God in pieces. He closed the doors of the house of the Lord and made altars for himself in every corner of Jerusalem. 
In every city of Judah he made high places to burn incense to other gods, and he provoked the Lord God of his fathers to anger. That's not leaning on the Lord. That's leaning away from the Lord. You ever noticed how sometimes in a crisis you get mad at God? And you say, God, if you're not going to help me, if you're not going to do what I've asked you to do, if you're not going to solve this problem, I'm not going to serve you. As a matter of fact, I'll just be angry with you, and I'll go deeper into sin. I'll show you, God. Perhaps that was what Ahaz was thinking. And I remind you of a verse we read earlier, 2 Chronicles 28, 22, relates the sad truth. In the time of his distress, this same King Ahab, Ahaz became yet more unfaithful to the Lord. That didn't solve his problems, and it won't solve yours. Now, there are three questions that will prepare us for the next crisis that come into our lives. I have these three questions last on the screen. First, what is my word for the Lord from the Lord in this crisis? I need to listen for it and look for it. Second, what is the lesson God wants me to learn in my crisis? And third, will I be willing to lean upon God in this crisis? In order to do so, I'll need to pray for the strength and the courage to depend on God. What was Ahaz's word from God right up front in the middle of the crisis when it first started? Be calm. Don't be afraid. Don't be faint-hearted. And what was God's last word to him? If you don't lean, you won't last. If you don't believe, you're not going to make it. You're going to have to just trust in me. Depend on me to take care of this situation. I don't know where you are in your circumstances. I, know what, I don't know what's going on in and around your life. But I know this. There's nothing concrete, nothing tangible, no army, outside army, nothing you can reach for or hope for that's any better, that even comes close to the promise God gives you in the middle of your crisis. He will be faithful. Let's pray.